You're listening to Shot Callers with Kyle Branding and Joe Micucci, part of the 48 Minutes Podcast Network. What is going on, everybody? Welcome in to this week's edition of Shot Callers. Your boy, Joe Micucci. With me, as always, is Kyle Brandon. And Kyle, we've been really good this season. We, we've been really good. But today, we finally get to be a little chaotic and do one of our favorite things to do together. You know what I'm talking about. Fired up the old trade machine. <laughs> It really is like one of the most entertaining things about being an NBA fan is to just be delusional, hop on the trade machine, and pretend like you're playing NBA 2K franchise mode. And that's what we're going to do today. Yeah, we've got some really fun trades lined up. We're going to talk Pacers trades and Trailblazers trades. But before we do that, we can't start off a show without doing some love to see it, hate to see it. So let's go ahead and get into it, my man. Kyle... Let me go first this week, if you don't mind. Please. Um, my love to see it for this week is going to be but kind of begrudgingly because it's a team we love to hate. It's the Utah Jazz starting to look like the Utah Jazz again. And what I mean by that is that they're 10-2 and two in their last 12, including a six-game win streak. Um, Donovan Mitchell is Donovan Mitchell, 24 points, four rebounds, five assists. He had a streak of 30 or four straight 30-plus point games before the streak ended tonight against Philly. Um, Rudy Gobert is doing Rudy Gobert things, 14 points, 13 rebounds. Uh, this is all in the stretch of these last 12, by the way, I should mention. Jordan Clarkson, 14 points, three rebounds, two assists per game. Mike Conley, 14 points, five assists per game. Bojan, 17 and four. Is it jaw-dropping numbers? Absolutely not. But that's the jazz which means it's working for them in the regular season once again. Yeah, and Donovan Mitchell, like you said, has just been on an absolute tear. I think that um, he's looking at an all-star um, type of season, so I, I think he'll potentially be on the all-star ballot if he can keep this up, especially with the Jazz being near the top of the rankings. Um, multiple 30-point outings, like averaging 30 points over this little win streak that they've had and doing it on really efficient shooting um, with over 50% from the floor. And so he's playing some of his best basketball. The Jazz are playing some of their best basketball. And, um, yeah, I mean, you, you do love to see it. Say what you want to say, but this team is playing really well. Yeah. And we love good basketball, so you love to see it. Yeah. And uh, I think one thing I, I would like to ask about this, because I think Donovan Mitchell is one of those guys where – some people say he's made the leap. Others say he hasn't made the leap. Where does he fall for you? Do you think he's making the leap this season? Like, is he already up there? Is it something to still be monitored? For me, he's made the leap. Look at the playoffs the last two years, averaging 36.3 and 32.3 uh, points per game. To me, that leap has been made. Uh, I think he put the league on notice the last two years in the playoffs. Um, unfortunately, the number two guy on his team just can't necessarily stay on the floor in those playoff series, uh, especially depending on who they play. So I think he's already made that leap. Uh, I see him as as that kind of guy, that that um, 
all-star caliber talent. I mean, he's averaged over 20 points a game since he's been in the league every single year, including his rookie year. And uh, he he hovers around that 24 points a game consistently. And, yeah, I, I think he's that kind of guy. And so I, I, I hope that people start to see him more like that, and I think that an all-star appearance would really help out in, in doing that, but I, he's for sure that guy. I, I completely agree 100%. I think he falls victim to people not wanting to put blame on Rudy Gobert, so they pass a little bit of that off to Donovan Mitchell since he's supposed to be the best player on that team. He is the best player on that team, so I think he gets hyper-criticized by the people that don't say he's made the leap. Um, I really don't have a ton to add to that. I, w- I was really just more curious um, to see where you thought about Mitchell, but let's go ahead and get into your love to see it of the week. Uh, my love to see it. This is really easy. It's us. It's <laughs> my love to see it is the shot callers podcast because last week I, I know that you all listened last week and we gave you gold. We gave you the Houston Rockets on a crazy streak. And then we gave you the uh, Pacers needing to do some trades You listened to the podcast. You had a great time with us. And then guess what happened this week? The Houston Rockets continue their streak, the longest active streak uh, in in the NBA, and they beat the Nets. They didn't have KD, but they still had James Harden. And it's not really talked about that it was James Harden's first game back in Houston since being traded. I feel like that kind of went under the radar. I would kind of expect the a legacy game from James Harden there. Um, And really, that team, without KD, they're still good enough to beat that sorry Rockets team. But the Rockets got it done. And uh, and kudos to them. And you should have been watching those Rockets after we we told them, after we told you guys that uh, they were exciting to watch. So um, hopefully they were on your radar and you were able to catch that. And that did not come as a surprise. Maybe you talked about them with your friends and you sounded like the smart friend because you were on the Rockets a week early. Good on you. And then, of course, we talked about the Pacers. We talked about, hey, you know what? It is time. They need to make it. They need to make a change. They need to make a trade. And once you know it, it comes out that, you know, they need to make a change. They need to make a trade. Uh, We're going to get into that uh, here in a moment. But we just uh, we really set you up to sound like the smart friend. And um, we love to see it. Yeah, if you have ever doubted why we decided to talk basketball <laughs> last week, was very affirming. I feel like yeah. for sure. What did you think about when uh, when Houston won last night? ESPN tweeted out, "Guess who the hottest team in the league is?" And they showed a GIF of Jalen Green, like one of the two guys that has not contributed to anything revolving around this win streak like the disrespect to christian wood who's been playing yeah. out of his mind the last seven games yeah it's it's pretty rough and, and as a rockets fan again i think that you're excited that you know josh christopher is looking good and eric gordon i'm very excited some, about that yeah he has some trade value and again christian wood looks great um really these guys that you want to be good are, are looking good um, you see Jay Sean Tate continue to contribute, but Josh Christopher, seven to seven from the field, four for four from three, uh, 18 points, 18 points on seven field goal attempts. That's incredible. So, um, for them, I, I think that they're just, they're just happy to see their guys contribute. 
I I hope that uh, Jalen Green would would kind of lend to them being a better team when he gets back. But I guess we'll see. Uh, my hate to see it uh, was the Nets losing though. The ne- the Nets losing. It was James Harden um, just not putting on the best performance. He still has 25 points, but goes three for 12 from three. His return to Houston, it was ugly when he left. He just, he needs to be able to carry that team. At the end of the day, like, James Harden, Patty Mills, like, Blake Griffin, that team should still win. I, I don't know. It, yeah. This Rockets team is, agree. It, it should <laughs> still be learning, you know what I mean, to play together, to 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 win basketball games. And James Harden has been, like, top you know, top five in MVP voting every year for the last how many years? Six years or so, you know what I mean? He's He's been up there. And those kind of guys just need to win these games. So uh, a bit of an egg on their face for Brooklyn. Um, and, and this is one that they just need to just need to win, stash the win, and, and get out of there. Yeah, that's and, it's it's not a loss you expect from a number one seed in the Eastern Conference. It, it's you need to come through. You need like you just need to beat the teams you're supposed to beat. I know it's a it's cliche, but it's just that comes along with being a championship caliber team. You, yeah, you never take a night off against an opponent, and it, it definitely just kind of felt like that's how they viewed that Rockets game. Not yeah. to take anything away from the Rockets because they played a heck of a game and they're playing great basketball. But, like you said, that should be a, that should be one of those games where the upstart Rockets, you know what, yes, maybe they punch you in the mouth early, but then oh, you remind cute, them. But, yeah, yeah. You, you remind them we are the title favorites. So, bye-bye. Yeah, talent, talent should still win out in that. And James Harden's talent, I mean, he should just... He should be able to carry that team to a win. And now they only have half a game lead on that number one seed uh, in the East. They have a half game lead on the Bulls, and they have a one and a half game lead on the Bucks. Speaking of the Bucks, and speaking of beating teams that you should beat, that's actually my hate to see it. Uh, it's the Milwaukee Bucks losing last night in Miami against a Miami Heat team that was without Jimmy Butler and Bam Adebayo. Bam, who we bang the drum all the time about being the Giannis stopper, didn't play last night, but Giannis still only went for 15 points with six rebounds and four assists, and he didn't get hurt. He played 33 minutes last night. He just had an absolute dud. In fact, the entire Milwaukee Big Three played last night, and they got Mm. torched by Caleb Martin going for a career high. I, you don't let that happen. We love the Miami Heat. And we love Eric Spolstra. Um, and this is yet another testament to why Eric Spolstra is the best, if not one of the best coaches in the NBA, because he understands how to game plan with the players he has on hand. I thought it was a very impressive win by Miami. Yes, I. you can throw out Milwaukee was on the road in this. I, I don't care. When your big three plays and the other team is missing their two best players, you you're supposed to win that game. You're the defending champs. Get it together. Come on. Yeah, and only I I'll be honest, I didn't get to catch the game. Uh, but only twelve made threes is a bit shocking for them. And 
KZ Okpala being a plus 23 off the bench. Um, I mean, to me, that just stands out a little bit. But, yeah, the, the Bucks just need to, again, get it done, handle your business. Uh, they would have been right there, just a, a half game behind Brooklyn, but uh, kind of fumbled the bag there. Yeah, very much so. Yeah. But uh, that's, uh, that's it for love to see it, hate to see it. Yeah. But to circle back to your love to see it, speaking of us being right about the Pacers, that's kind of where we're going to start the trade machine this week, huh? Yeah, and, and I'd like to, what I'd like to do is I'd like to throw some trades at you. You're the Pacers fan. Yeah. And so I want to see what your thoughts are on some of these that uh, got cooked up. Yeah, I love that. And before we do it, just in case you did miss it this week, the reason we're doing this with the Pacers is back on Tuesday, a story dropped on The Athletic by uh, Sham Sharania and Bob Kravitz, um, a local news legend here in Indianapolis, um, talking about how the Pacers have now become open to moving Karis LeVert and either DeMontis Sabonis or Miles Turner. Uh, this really comes as no surprise, hopefully to you, because you listened to us last week, but... This should also come as no surprise because the Pacers are off to a disappointing 11 and 16 start to the year with a roster that on paper should be performing much better than it has. Um, so that being said, Kyle, let me hear what you've got because, uh, you know, I've got some thoughts that I would love to share regarding trading Pacers players. <laughs> All right. So this first one, we've we've talked about a um, a kind of loose version of this, but these are all these are all. NBA trade machine approved, okay? So when, yeah. when we talk about trades here on the pod, it is something that we have thrown in the trade machine. We've seen that the salaries work. We've seen that they're tradable. Um, Joe, you brought up a good point when we were just chatting about it. Um, Brogdon isn't someone that can be traded Cannot right be traded. If you are listening to this podcast and you do not know this, if you want to hit any of your friends with some quick knowledge, talking about Pacers trades, Malcolm Brogdon cannot be traded. Any trade you see with Malcolm Brogdon involved, you need to shoot it down because he's not allowed to be traded this year because of the extension he signed. Right. And so we vetted these. The salaries match. The the, the trade rules match. All of this matches. It, it's all legit. So so the, the first trade I have for you, the Pacers would receive Gordon Hayward and James Booknight from the Charlotte Hornets who would receive Miles Turner and Karis LeVert. You know this one hurts. You know I love Miles and would rather see Domas traded in this, but this is a I think this is a good trade for both sides. Um I know one person that's extremely happy if this happens is our buddy Evan who we've Evan. talked about before. Yeah. Evan Evan has been banging my door about Miles Turner forever. Um I think Miles helps out significantly in Charlotte. I think him and LaMelo would be some extremely fun basketball. Plus with miles bridges being able to, I mean, that team just runs even more than they already do. Throw Karis Levert in the mix. He gets you, you know, some positive buckets, especially since they don't really have a proper two guard. He adds a little bit of length at that two position. He's not the greatest of defenders, but he adds the length where needed. Um, with the Pacers side of things, obviously Gordon Hayward being an Indiana boy, you're going to get the locals just excited about that 
alone. Mm. Um, pandering a bit. Pa- it, it's a pandering <laughs> trade for sure. Um, I don't necessarily see how he fits into the rotation. And given the contract left, that's a little scary. But I do still think, I mean, you could move TJ Warren back to like a two spot. You can even play like a smaller lineup where it's, excuse me, Brogdon, Duarte, Warren, Hayward, and Sabonis. Spacing feels a little weird, but Carlisle, I guess, could try and make it work. So I'm not crazy about the Hayward part, but the James Book Knight part does interest me. He's not really getting any playing time on the Hornets right now. Um, so we know the kid absolutely lit it up in UConn. The Pacers do need scoring. They always need scoring. You can never do wrong with getting a score. He was a guy that was on the radar at draft time for someone that could fall to the Pacers. So he's an interesting piece. Overall, I think Charlotte wins this trade a little bit, but they're also in a better position to make a bit of noise than the Pacers are right now. So it makes sense why they would pull the trigger on this trade. Yeah. Uh, Hear me out on this. Okay. The Pacers, out of 30 teams, the Pacers are 29th in attendance. Oh, yeah. The only team with worse attendance is, of course, my Detroit Pistons. Uh, Beat you in that also. Ha, ha. Uh, but they are 29th in attendance. Do you think that the Gordon Hayward trade could, do you think that's something that could impact the decision on a potential Gordon Hayward trade, knowing that Butler fans would potentially show up a little more or show some interest or or just kind of the, the local natives? No, because they were still at the bottom of attendance when Oladipo was the star player. Okay. They, it, it's a it, okay. there's a cultural issue in Indianapolis when it comes to going to Pacers games because the Pacers also rank top 10 nationally across all four of the major sports. They're like top 10 consistently in affordability to go to the game, but people in Indiana are just cheap and it's it, this is a conversation for a completely different day, but it, no, it wouldn't okay. really move the needle of where they would rank in attendance unless uh, they start winning leaps and bounds more but even then when they were the number one seed during the paul george pacers they were still middle of the pack attendance wise so okay that's uh, the oladipo point is a great point um that's something i i completely spaced on and yeah i mean if they didn't show up for oladipo i mean yeah that makes sense all right yeah uh let's move on to the second trade so first first trade we felt okay about um Second trade, what I got for you. It's the Pacers and the Kings. The Kings are receiving DeMontis Sabonis and Jeremy Lamb. Mm-hmm. And the Pacers would receive Buddy Heald, Marvin Bagley, and a 2022 first-round pick. Let me just, I'm just going to make up a protection on there. Let's say top eight protected. Okay. If it's if it's within the top eight, it rolls back to the next year, two thousand twenty-three. Okay. Let's do that. I kind of like this. Um, obviously, I'm all for trading away Sabonis because that clears up space for Miles Turner. Buddy Hield's three-point shooting is undeniable. That's a great addition to any team. Um, 
I like the Bagley addition because he's an expiring. I don't think the Pacers would pick up the option or even try to re-sign him in the offseason. Um, so it would kind of just be a a salary dump trade almost. Um, and obviously you can't be mad about getting picks. That's that's kind of what I would love to see the Pacers try to do in any trade situation here. Um, it's the Kings that I'm... I would be a little more concerned about in this one. I, I see the Pacers as the winners. Um, and it, this boils just kind of more down to what we talked about a few weeks ago about, I don't think this fixes the Kings backcourt problem of still having a loaded backcourt. So yeah, bonus- a loaded backcourt, yeah. even with us not considering buddy healed. Yeah. Um, they, they had a loaded backcourt with, I mean, pretty much their, their last couple of draft picks and yeah. In Fox, and um and Halliburton and um what's his name out of Baylor? Um, uh Davion Mitchell. Davion Mitchell. So they yeah. had a loaded backcourt before Buddy healed. So it, it does kind of help. Yeah. Right. It's I, one I less mouth to feed as far as that goes. Maybe the front court. It, it helps the front court. How do you see Sabonis fitting next to Rashwan Holmes in that situation though? Yeah, but is is Rashawn Holmes the kind of guy that stops you from getting Sabonis? In my opinion, I don't. I don't think he is. Um, I, I think. Sabo- I think. I think Sabonis Kings- is the second. It becomes what the most talented guy on that roster. Second most talented is. Yeah, he- I, I think the Kings only pull the trigger on this if they have something lined up with a Rashawn Holmes trade, and I. So I think that would probably be the swing factor. I think okay. getting Jeremy Lamb in this is good for them because he's also on an expiring, so that frees up some money. Uh, this one's this one's iffy if you're the Kings. You you probably yeah. have to have the right mo- second move to yeah. have lined up. I, I do like. I mean, I like the return for the Pacers, obviously. Um, but if I'm just being objective here, I, I, you know, I I don't know if that's the right word. If I'm looking at this from all sides, um, the Kings side kind of, I'd be a little trigger shy. Okay, gotcha. Um. I I like you get shooting, you get a young guy, mm-hmm. even if you don't want to re-sign him. It's yeah. shooting a young guy and a pick, and I think that that combination is kind of something the the Pacers should be looking for. Yeah. Every team needs shooters, young guys, and draft picks. So yeah, um, that's kind of the formula there. That's all I have for the second trade. This okay. third trade <laughs> is going to be a heart stopper for for some, and I'm sorry, Tim, and I'm sorry, Sean. I ha- I'm sorry to have to do this to you. This one's a okay. bit out there. So. Well, I know what team's involved then. <laughs> it is the Bulls, okay? In this scenario, the Bulls say we are half a game behind Brooklyn. Brooklyn just lost to the Rockets. We see this as our chance to get there. But Patrick Williams is out for quite some time, and we need to strike while the iron is hot. Patrick Williams is in his second year. I don't know if he's playoff ready. We haven't seen him in the playoffs, and so we are going to swing for the fences. The Pacers would receive Patrick Williams, Kobe White, and Troy Brown Jr., and the Bulls would receive uh, Sabonis and let me, who was it that uh, that made the salary work? Sabonis and? Would it be a, a guy like Keelan Martin? 
Keelan Martin. Exactly. Okay. Yeah. He he's uh he's the guy that makes the salary fit. So uh, let me read that back one more time. Pacers receive Patrick Williams, Kobe White, and Troy Brown Jr. And the Bulls receive Sabonis and Keelan Martin. I, this is a very interesting trade. Um, my initial reaction to that is if the Pacers get Patrick Williams and somehow are able to keep Miles Turner in that, this kind of reminds me of that Sixers roster a couple of years ago where the theme was, we're just going to outlength you, but this team has actual shooting <laughs> um, because you then have like a starting lineup in theory of Brogdon, <laughs> Chris Duarte, TJ Warren, Patrick Williams, and Miles Turner, which that is, that's interesting to think about. And then Kobe White coming off the bench, Troy Brown Jr. is, Sure. Um, I think the Bulls getting Sabonis is a, a kind of, again, like what I was talking about with the Kings. I don't necessarily see the fit next to Vucevic, but you do have two like playmaker-ish bigs, which becomes a lot of fun with DeRozan and... Excuse me. I'm sorry. With DeRozan and Lonzo and... And Zach. And Zach. Now, the thing I do worry about is that with Sabonis being so lane-centric in his game, he still really has like, – he's still only like a 30 – I think he's sub-30% career on his three-point shooting. That worries me with how deadly DeMar is when he depends on the, the mid-range game. Flip side of that, though, is we know that – DeMontis Sabonis is an elite screener. We saw it the entire time with Victor Oladipo. When they get that pick and roll going, Oladipo was able to get to his mid-range spots brilliantly. So I can see where it works. I just kind of have some reservations. I'm going to shock you here, Kyle. I think this trade happens if the Pacers throw in Miles Turner instead because I think he's a better fit for that roster. Okay. Um, I think the reason being is they bring in Miles Turner to be their defensive linchpin for a playoff gotcha. run. I, I love it. I think that trade actually makes a lot more sense as much as I would, I would, it would break me if miles Turner got traded to the Chicago bulls, but the realist in me sees that as the one that works. Yeah. But I also think the bulls, I know Troy Brown is in here because of the money. I think the bulls would have to send a draft pick to really. So, I think from Bulls fans, you, like people like Tim, would listen to this and panic and say, "There is no way we trade Patrick Williams," and that is a valid thing to say. But to that, I would say, you have a legit title opportunity here. Your team gets more talented this year, and probably the next two years. Also, Sabonis and Turner are both like 24, 25. So it yes. that you also get some youth that is in line with your core outside of DeMar DeRozan. Yeah. And also, like, I know you'd give up Kobe White. You would, but you would become, in my opinion, giving, giving up Kobe White just frees up more playing time for IO. Yeah. If we're being honest, and Dunsumu has been awesome with yep. Caruso, I, I 
I don't view them trading away Kobe White as that big of a deal. Yeah, but but another thing to consider, you are in Chicago, you are at the United Center, you you become the buyout destination. Yeah. Because think about the buyout destinations, right? We thought the Nets are going to get everyone at the buyout market, or the Lakers are. Are we sure that teams want to go to the Lakers? Or I mean, again, the Nets are, are number one, but it's kind of messy up there right now. It's not going as well as it as it looked. Is I Miami another potential buyout destination too? You probably it, have it to. It is. Yeah. Golden State. Yeah. Golden State, right? I mean, I think people want to play with Steph. I think Phoenix. living in San Francisco, uh, Phoenix as well. Um, but I think the Bulls might move to the very top of that list if they get someone talented like Miles Turner this year um, or Sabonis, kind of whoever is in there. Um, if that's their starting five, I think people go, this is a really good chance. And I could play for the Bulls um, in Chicago. So just another little wrinkle in there. I also just see the Pacers not doing this because the Pacers want to see themselves kind of thrown back in the mix. I think they're over. The overall goal from what I'm picking up on is they want to make their roster better while freeing up playing time for their other first-round draft pick, Isaiah Jackson. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't think they're trying to go in full re- re- rebuild mode because of Carlisle. Um, gotcha. But this would be a very interesting all-in trade for the Chicago Bulls if it were to yeah. happen. Um, to sum up, now that we've gone through all three, if you're asking me which trade I like best as a Pacers fan, I think it's the second one with the Kings. Um, I also think that's the one that, yeah. Um, Well, the reason being is personally, I want the Pacers to go after draft picks. I know that's not in their nature, but it's, it's realistically what this team needs to be trying to do with these trades. They have an opportunity to strike while the iron is hot with some bonus. He's your best opportunity to get a draft pick i don't know if first round top eight protected it that that probably is in the realm um so So, that's what i I would like to see them try and do i guess this my question would be then james book knight you know i mean he's basically a first round draft pick right he's just a new car that's been driven off the lot i know he loses that sticker price but i mean he's essentially you know. Yeah, but I also think he's a couple want, months removed from being. Like, I think you want the, the pick for the trade for the trade asset for okay, for fair. this day for this day and age in the NBA. We we loved a lot of teams for having the war chest of assets. I know that ends up getting teams made fun of, um, mm-hmm. like a certain you know Danny Ainge Celtics front office and potentially the Thunder within the next five years, but. Um, yeah, I think you're trying to go after picks. But mm-hmm. it kind of like what I said last week about the Pacers, it's still so up in the air with this front office and with this with this roster. I'll have to I'll believe the trade when I see it. Yeah. Because I still don't think anything's gonna happen. But let's pivot to the okay. other team that, despite what its star player has said, has stayed in the trade rumors consistently since the summertime. And that's the Portland Trailblazers. Now, I think this truly feels like we've we're at the end of the road for the Damian Lillard, CJ McCollum backcourt. But since Dame is adamant that he's staying in Portland, 
let's let's just talk about some potential CJ McCollum trades. Okay. Because I feel like that's something that hasn't been talked about a lot. Now, all three of these trades that I've got cooked up for you, Kyle, to be honest, they're pretty much one for one. Okay. But I'd love to see some, maybe not see, but hear if you have any elaboration on what you maybe would throw in. Any anything that you find interesting. So let's do the first one. And I think this is the obvious one to talk about right now because of just really what the internet keeps throwing. Uh, I mean, shoot, we saw StatMuse throw a picture of this up after the Blazers just had another abysmal defensive performance. It was Ben Simmons in a Portland uniform, basically. So my trade is CJ McCollum to Philly, Ben Simmons to Portland. The money works out one-to-one. Kyle, what are your thoughts? I do like it. I do like that, one, we could just get over the Ben Simmons saga. Mm -hmm. I do like that. Um, Ben Simmons is a Nike guy. He's a LeBron guy, so that makes sense also. Um, Damian Lillard is really good friends with LeBron, who is a clutch guy. And I think that I think that they're just kind of in the same circles. Um, I don't know why. I just kind of always associate themselves in the same circles. Um, but kind of going with that, though, Tyrese Maxey is also a clutch guy. And I know that they said that they wanted to see Tyrese Maxey get traded as well, um, him and Ben Simmons. And so I think we... I think with Ben Simmons being traded, there is a strong possibility that Maxi would need to be traded as well. And what's kind of crazy is Maxi has just skyrocketed his value um, this season since Ben Simmons hasn't been playing. And so it kind of just complicates things a little bit. Um, if it is just McCollum for, for Simmons, um, from what I've heard, Philly would ask for a draft pick as well. Yeah, I was going to say, do you think a draft pick gets thrown in there? Yeah, the problem is... The problem is they're so short on draft capital already. The Blazers are. Get your your Blazers short on draft capital counter ready. Because we're going to be saying that a lot. (laughs) They're just... They're really short on it, really. And, like, I don't... I really don't think they can afford to to trade another draft pick. Um, Yeah. And so... I and I think I this know. is the other this is the the other end of this. Do we think CJ McCollum is worth a first round draft pick? Um because if you're the Blazers really you're probably trying to get some draft capital in these trades as well. Um so that's it, it, definitely interesting to me and Yeah. I and would, I think that sets up Oh, go ahead, sorry. I would like to see something, another piece thrown in there, um, and that's where it's like, is it uh, like a Larry Nance or like a Covington or something like that? Like another decent something, piece. something that sweetens the pot enough to where it's Philly giving up a draft pick instead. Yeah, and again, that draft pick could be like the maxi piece or whatever it is, but. Um, as much as one for one makes sense, to me there's like a couple of these like small little hurdles to why it wouldn't happen. Okay. Well, and this is where I was kind of going. If we want to talk about teams that have some draft capital to give away, I think this plays 
into my second one for you. The Blazers send C.J. McCollum to the New Orleans Pelicans for Brandon Ingram. Again, the money works out one for one. I guess the question is, can Portland get New Orleans to give up one of those many first-round draft picks that they have? Yeah, I think so. They have... um... They they do have a lot in uh, in twenty twenty three. They have two in twenty twenty four. They have three, and so um, they definitely have a lot of a lot of picks. And they acquired a lot of them through that Lakers trade. We know with Anthony Davis, um, and then just through some other little various trades. Um, but yeah, I I do like the Ingram for McCollum trade. I think that it works out better for Zion. And I think you kind of have to play this game where you just have to pretend like Zion is going to stay. Zion's going to be happy. We're going to build around Zion. He's going to be healthy. He's not going to be overweight. Everything's going to be fine. I think that that's really the only way you can proceed if you're if you're New Orleans because I don't think you can kind of half-ass build the team. And I, I think you just have to pretend like you're going all in. And so yeah. McCollum just provides a little bit better spacing doesn't need the ball as much as Ingram. That makes a ton of sense. Um, and then I think that Portland's biggest thing forever has been their, their wing, you know, who's going to play the three for them. Um, I know we joke about it, but like Tony Snell had another game. He had the infamous meme of 28 minutes 0. 0. 0.0 assists, 0 rebounds, zero, you know what I mean? All the zeros. Oh, he had a trillion. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Did you see the other night? Um, I saw the graphic. I did not yeah. see the exact numbers, if I'm being he, completely uh, honest. Yeah. So the famous one, 0. 0.0 rebounds, 0 assists, 0 blocks, 0 steals in 28 minutes. Um, He had, the other night against Golden State, he had 13 minutes, 0 points, 0 assists, 0 rebounds, 0 steals, 0 blocks. So, like, <laughs> when I say they are getting, like, no production from their wings, <laughs> I mean, like, no production from their wings. No, yeah. They, they could just, they could really use the wing help. Um, plus, they have Norman Powell, who I think is is really good enough to to probably get some starting minutes. So, um, I actually, I, I really like this trade. I really think that... Um, that you could probably do McCollum for Ingram and a future first, like one of those 2024 future first, like, uh, I don't know, like even the, the 23, the 2023, like Lakers first. Yeah. Where you know, it's going to be like probably in the twenties or something like that. New Orleans doesn't feel like they're giving up a huge amount. Um, I think that I think that works, and that's that'd be great for both teams, in my opinion. This also, I think the reason I like this one is because if you're New Orleans, what you can then do, and and again, this is us playing in the world that you know you're New Orleans, you're just expecting Zion is staying. In two years, McCollum's on the last year of his deal. You still have those a fair amount of those draft picks. You can then create a bit of a package to send McCollum to a contender 
or even just uh, you send McCollum to a to a team, you kind of make a godfather offer to bring in another star next to Zion as he's even closer to his prime. You know what I mean? So it's kind of almost like a it's a long term strategic play for for New Orleans. So that one's definitely interesting. Let me get on to the last one for you. I don't know if you want to say this is the juiciest, but I definitely think it's one that makes me stroke my chin the most because I'm just intrigued as to how how well it works for both sides. We have the Blazers sending McCollum to Toronto for Pascal Siakam. Now, with this being Masai, you probably got to assume that a draft pick is required to get this trade done. But I'd love to hear where you sit on this one. Yeah, in my opinion, I don't... I mean, maybe I'm just low on Siakam. I don't see him as a guy you throw in a pick for. Okay. Um, he, he obviously like burst onto the scene when he won uh, Most Improved Player in 2018-2019. Then 2019, he wins a title. He's the third best player on a title team, in my opinion. Um, yep. behind Kawhi and behind Lowry. And being the third best guy on a title team is is really impressive. And kind of when you look at who those guys are, that's that's a top of the league kind of guys. Um, but then we saw him like really struggle. And I know a lot of people said COVID was really tough for him. It was tough that he played, um, you know, away from his home and stuff like that when they had to play down in Florida but I just, I just didn't feel like he was playing well at all, um, like last year. And um, I don't know. I, I I think that the last kind of year and a half hasn't been. He hasn't been like the on the trajectory that I thought he was going to be. It feels like now they've kind of they're kind of passing, passing the torch a little bit to Scotty Barnes and OG Ananobi when I watch them feels like those two have like the ultimate green light. Um, yeah. And then of course, Fred Van Fleet like runs the offense and, um, and Gary Trent Jr. is like the ultimate, like, like, uh, Dion waiters, you know what I mean? Like he's just got like the most, the biggest green light of all time. And so, um, Gary Trent Jr. Island alert. <laughs> yeah, really. So, um, I actually could see him phased out. The only thing weird here is that I think Masai Ujiri like absolutely loves this guy. He's yeah. from Cameroon and Masai Ujiri like obviously plays a huge part, um, in, in African basketball. So, yeah, we, we didn't, um, we didn't talk about this during the Pacers trades, but I I actually think that if there's any trade to be made, it's between the Pacers and Raptors that involves OG Onanobi, another IU guy going back to Indiana. Um, but I, I I just wanted to kind of throw that nugget in because I I think OG Onanobi is the one that's more likely to be traded with all these trade rumors right now, not Siakam. Because of what you just said, with Masai being so loyal to Siakam, yeah. See, OG is a is a guy that, again, on the spectrum of fans, I am I'm at the 
the top one percent of OG and Obi fans. Yeah. Um, I just he went to IU. I'm a Michigan State fan. I just I just remember having to go against OG and Obi and just absolutely fearing for my life. Um, thought he was really good in college, and was excited for him to get drafted. And he's just gotten better. Um, yeah. And now he's averaging 20 points a game, and he shoots, you know, 37% from three. And he's a he's an actual three and D wing. Um, I mean, that's he is like every team. You know what I mean? Every team could use OG Ananobi. Every exactly. single one. Every single one. Just efficient, really good defensively. He spends a lot of time now in that left corner uh for that corner three i mean if it were me i i know that pascal siakam has made like a second team all nba but if it were me i would want to keep og um that's totally fair especially when you look at the money you know for both of them so yeah um, but i can see either of them either of them getting moved um and and i like i like that trade a decent amount too yeah. All right. So I gave you my favorite for the Pacers. So go ahead. You tell me which is your favorite for these Blazers trades. It's it's got to be Brandon Ingram. Um, okay. Brandon Ingram and a 2023 first round pick for McCollum. I like that. I actually I agree. I think that's the the best of the three. And I transitioned into this before asking you what was your favorite of the Pacers trades. My favorite would have. To- Gosh, uh, my least favorite was the Kings one. Actually, my favorite, really? my favorite was the Charlotte one. I just think I, Book, the Charlotte was I, my number two. Yeah, it's, Book Knight's yeah. Book Knight's as good as a draft pick, uh, in my opinion. That's totally I, fair. I, I know there's you don't have like the flexibility or like you don't get to make the decision with that. Um, but he's so green and and like uh, he's got so little playing time. You just you just don't know. Um, for sure what kind of potential there is and Gordon Hayward's been good so yeah that one's my favorite fair enough that's gonna that's gonna conclude this time around on the trade machine Kyle but I am sure especially as deadline approaches this will not be the last time that we do a little bit of trade machine tomfoolery oh yeah but before we get out of here of course, gotta do shot color of the week. Can't, oh, yeah. you can't not do shot color of the week. So, my friend, who's your shot color of the week? My shot color of the week is Flint hometown hero Kyle Kuzma. Kyle Kuzma was um, playing the, sky, the style god. Exactly. Playing in Detroit about uh about an hour and a half south of where he grew up, playing against the Pistons. Uh they had a bit of a rough game. Only Washington only scores 17 points in the fourth quarter. The Pistons bring it back in that fourth quarter, um, tie it up at the end there with Jeremy Grant. It goes into overtime. Kyle Kuzma. It's the game-winning shot in overtime in his home state. Then, after that, he, 
if that wasn't good enough, winning the game, home state, you're the cool guy on campus, you're trending on Twitter, you look cool, you're the style god. Um, and then he gets congratulated by LeBron James on Twitter. And I got to say, I'm sure that felt good for him. He got a lot, a lot of shit um, from social media. I think he was one of the most ragged on guys, seriously, in the NBA. Yeah, he, he was, I mean, he was the he's scapegoat a, for that Lakers roster, for he's sure. He's a punching bag, yeah. And he, yeah. He, he felt like a scapegoat. And uh, I'll tell you what, it wasn't, wasn't Kyle Kuzma's fault. So any losing that was done was not, not on Kyle Kuzma um, necessarily so. I think that it felt really good for him to be able to get that uh, validation, get the validation, get the game-winning shot, be in your home state. So kudos to you, Kyle Kuzma, a Kyle from a Kyle from uh, from Michigan. Yeah, that's my shot caller of the week. <laughs> Sounds fair. about right. That's very fair. What about yourself? I am. In in rare occasion, I'm going to circle back for once for Shot Caller of the Week because I want to give it to the Miami Heat for beating Milwaukee last night because as much as that was a disappointing loss for the Milwaukee Bucks, I just got to bang the drum again. I, I just want to hammer it home how impressive that was for the Miami Heat. I, I just I was super impressed by them being able to pull that off. And I just, I love what Spolster was able to do with those guys. I, I know it's very simple, very basic, something we already talked about, but Miami no. beating Milwaukee. Yeah, De- defeating the the defending champs. Without your two best guys. That. Yep. That's, that's extremely impressive. I like it. Very cool. And I did want to add one thing to the, uh, to the Kyle Kuzma shot yeah. caller of the week. Um, on the other side of things, I, I was very... I want to give. I know they lost the game, but I was very impressed with Detroit's ability to bring that game back within the last thirty seconds. They were down two possessions. Um, it was a really nice string of events. They ran this very, very solid out of timeout, out of bounds play. Um, they got an action to Jeremy Grant, who was able to get to his spot, draw the foul, hit two free throws to bring it within two, and then a very oh, Tom nice position on that draw on that. Uh, foul. Yeah, yeah, yeah. But on the next possession, that defensive possession to force the over and back on Beal, I thought it was really nice high trapping by I think it was I think it was Isaiah Stewart and was it Frank Jackson or Jeremy Grant? I forget which two, but that was it, it was really well done. And then to get the tie, I mean, and then Cade in overtime going full superstar mode there for a second. Again, I know they didn't get the win, but it, it looked like a very nice growth game for your Pistons. So. Kudos yeah. to both sides there. Jeremy Grant, uh, I feel like we are about one tweet from The Athletic away from doing a, a Jeremy Grant trade machine, trade machine. episode. Yeah. Uh, that's, I mean, listen, he had a really hot start to the season last year, and it was kind of eye-opening what it looked like when he was kind of the main guy. And then we saw a little further down the stretch, hey, he probably shouldn't be the number one guy on the team. Um, you know, he's not... He's not that. He's more of like a third kind of guy on a team, maybe maybe even a fourth, but probably closer to like a third. Last 10 games, he's averaging 24 points. Um, he's shooting 38% from three. 
he's playing he's playing some good basketball right now. But he's another guy that I would look at uh, when we're doing these trade machine things. If you're if you're playing around with it and looking for more teams and looking for more options, uh, Jeremy Grant's another another name to toss in there because I think there's a high possibility that he gets traded. Not necessarily that I want him to get traded. He wants to be in Detroit. He really he really just wants to be here. He he likes being here. Um, it, it was. He took less money to be in Detroit, which is a, a mind-blowing thing. Um, but he liked that he was kind of the, the number one option and everything. So we like him as Detroit fans. We actually have a guy that wants to be here. On you know, He's making $20 million a year, which for 24 points a game. very tradable contract. For 24 points a game, I, I would say is a borderline value contract. Um, so to have that, I'm not necessarily just saying I'm trying to get rid of him. But uh, very tradable. Fair enough. Well, that's going to do it for this week's edition of Shot Callers. But before we go, I will throw it out there. You've heard our trade ideas. By all means, if you've got something that you're cooking, throw it our way over at 48 Minutes Network. We would love to see where you're sitting. doesn't have to be Pacers trades. doesn't have to be Blazers trades. Let us know. We love talking trades we just try to not do it every week on this podcast <laughs> but that is going to do it for Kyle Brandon I'm Joe Macucci I hope you guys have an absolutely fantastic weekend and we will see you next week yes love you guys thanks for listening to Shot Callers make sure to subscribe to the 48 Minutes Network wherever you're listening to your podcast and leave us a review if you like what you're hearing also be sure to give us a follow on Twitter over at 48 Minutes Network I'm gonna stop and give you all the love I can.